don't carry it with me on and on and on either. So it's uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now let's go back over to you, quick. Yeah. And maybe even other people are not. Well, I might kind of think where they're coming from first, why they would say that, and uh, that's how I react. It may not be the right thing to do. I'm trying to figure out why would they say that, or uh, where do they come from, kind of thing, more so than, uh, yeah, and then I may second guess myself a bit. That's not what you wanted to hear. Well, keep going. Just keep going. You're not shy. Well, I, I use a lot of dry humor. Sometimes people get it, and sometimes they don't. They kind of look at me like, and then, uh, yeah. I don't really know how to answer it. It's just that uh -huh. I know that I'm right. So, you know, you guys can just think whatever you like, but I'm right. So, you know. Uh -huh. Okay, so so you can you, you don't have to make a big thing of it. No. No, I don't really know how to answer that question. Um, but I'm I'm really kind of suggesting to you, as I did yesterday, that now if you look up above you, at the two pieces at the two pieces that you have had since birth that were equal sized. Yeah. So they drove you to go like this before. You go to one side, the other yes. side, one side, the other side. Let you become mindful to stay in the center. So I'm not yeah. responsible for any bad behavior. Is that what you're saying? That comes from me? <laughs> that well, that's that's I, the way I, I was born. That's how I was born that way, so it's not my fault, okay? <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Yes, you probably would. Well, I would say that you could probably probably, you're hearing this from Quay too, that you can handle having in one hand the part of you that's very sensitive to where, where other people are at. You always had that, but now it's not a compulsive thing to you anymore. When it's joined with your blue, you just act on it. So you're generous, you have a generosity of spirit towards other people, right? That's your red side, okay? So. Is it, is I guess so, yeah, I think so, yeah, maybe, yeah. Okay, and, and, and then you go, we'll go over to your the yellow side that you can now handle, and that means that you can figure things out on the, on the run. And you, you don't have to go away, you don't have to shrink away into the corner to figure it out. You can think things out in the moment. Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes I'm kind of looking for a, a second opinion to uh, to justify how I think. Yeah, so, that would be part of using the yellow piece too. Yeah. It, 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 it makes it all right to ask for a second opinion. So that's a, that's a good thing. Okay. I'm, I'm saying this to you because uh, 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 I once I once was in a seminar with a with a person who sits in uh, Jane's chair, and uh, he's a guy that has written any number of books on the subject. And I was a person who was working out. I was kind of like you were, and now that I'm kind of working out with you. So um, uh, afterwards. Uh, 
we had we were having lunch and he said to me, you know, I'm and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking he's the greatest thing in the world because he's written seven books about the subject. And he, and it's true, he was really a great guy. But I was feeling very small in comparison to this great guy. And he says to me, Gee, I'm I'm really uh, I'm really impressed by the work that you did uh, this morning because I, sitting over here, as uh, as one of the two uh, bookends out here, I have a barrel of stone to move in my life. You know what I mean by the idea of having a barrel of stone to move. In other words, to to actually get your your blue piece. Okay, so that's that was his barrel of stone sitting over here, and he said, "But you have two barrels of stone to move. You have to move both of the things on either side, the yellow piece and the red piece." And he said, "You did a good job of it. Did a good job of it. Well, Barbara, you did a good job of it too. I mean." You think back now when you first came to the program and, and what you what you needed. What you needed you went out and got. Yeah. You had some very wonderful things happen to you. Especially when maybe you were in a life threatening situation. Exactly. Well, I was one of my anxieties was illness anxiety and uh, I got it. So uh, can you tell that story again? Because it's such a good story. Of the illness anxiety? Well, yeah. When, when you were hospitalized. Yeah, I, uh, my husband died uh, quickly. He got sick and uh, he died quickly. So that was my first uh, experience with death. And so being on my own, um, I didn't have somebody to kind of second guess and throw stuff off to reassure me. So uh, I was always worried that I would get what everybody else has, and uh, I did. I got uh, colon cancer, so uh, I was in the middle of the program, so I tried to stay in the present, and that's what saved me because I did talk to other people. I made the mistake of talking to a neighbor, and um, I didn't want her to know where I, what was wrong with me because people have that look that they look at you like, okay, you know, and they kind of lowered their voice. Anyways, she told me that she went to the hospital and she went to this particular hospital and everything was fine, but most of her friends have died there. And I was going the next morning to the hospital and then I asked her how she was after and she said, oh my God, I was in so much pain. I was on like morphine for two weeks and I'm thinking, oh my God. I'm in this middle of this tunnel, what is going to happen? And you know what? None of that stuff came true. I came through, I stayed focused on what I was told and what was going on. I didn't try and deviate and uh, it worked for me. So, it was, it, and the same with my driving. I, my anxiety got so bad that my left hand would pull the steering wheel and my right foot would not press down on the gas. So. Once I changed the picture and started paying attention to what I was doing and the things that were around me, those symptoms changed. So staying in the present for me has been a savior. And it's when we came to the course, you said, uh, <clears throat> you don't have to do any work. And I was listening to everybody else expressing themselves and I'm thinking, you know, I, I better read more. I'm, it's not working, I, you know, I'm not thinking. And all of a sudden, 
things started to move without me even thinking about them. So the anxiety that I had was gone and I had all this free time, so now I'm worried why I'm not worried. So <laughs> anyways, it worked out well. I would, and like I'm probably a lot older than most of you people here, so you can develop new channels to the brain. It is possible, it is possible. So it really has helped yeah. me a lot. <coughs> I'm going to come back to both of you in a moment, but I'm going to go over to Jane now. Uh, Jane, uh, one of the things that I traditionally say about blues is that it's like throwing away the rearview mirror and getting a new forward gear. Now, I know you drive, so I'm wondering if that, uh, that metaphor works for you, because one of the things that, we, uh, that holds us blues down is an excessive reference to the past. Bad things have happened to us in the past. We tend to believe, until we have our blue piece, that they will continue to happen. So getting your blue piece is like taking the rearview mirror and throwing it away. Yes. You stop looking in the past for, for, for uh, what to do, because you, you, you recognize that you can create something in the world. You can create whatever you want new. And it's like you're in your car, you have a new forward gear. And then when you need it, you just go <clears throat> And I think that's what Barbara's talking about. But let me give, give you an opportunity to, to, to see if you could describe, or, or, or how, how do you relate to that? How do you relate to the idea of, uh, of the new gear shift, new, new gear? All right, well, uh, I relate to it uh, as kind of a, freedom really um, uh, yeah I, I lived in my past all the time I had the 24-7 tape going and no matter what I tried to do I just could never ever be present and uh, that's where I was in my past of things that had happened and, and I would obsess over not remembering things from the age of 12 back so um, yeah, I was very caught up there, but now, uh, if the past comes up, it's a thought and it leaves. There's no emotional connection, and the thought doesn't stay around and around and around. And this is all just natural. I don't have to remind myself to be mindful anymore, I just am. And uh, that rearview mirror is is gone. So, if uh, the only time I would bring up or think about that is if I had to relate with anybody, and uh, maybe let them know a little bit about my story, uh, just so they can relate with me. But as I know, as I might be speaking it to this person, there is no emotional um, con. Uh, contact with it at all. And I just say what I need to say and then say the positive side if that's what the conversation is about and it's it's gone. It is so so much freedom. I know how many nights I was kept awake walking my house trying to sleep and all it was was that 24-7 tape all the time, all the time either feeling, uh, mostly thinking, but then you get your feelings with it. And uh, like I said, now it it's, it's doesn't exist anymore for me. It really doesn't. And I can bring up 
anything now, and that's all it is, is a thought. And another thing I realized, I was looking at pictures of myself when I was younger, and I always wondered why I couldn't connect with that little girl in the picture. I mean, I knew it was me, but I didn't know it was me. There was no connection of the clothes I was wearing, anything. Now, when I see pictures of myself when I was, when I was younger, there's definitely, I, there's that connection to this picture. And there might even be a feeling that goes with it where before it was completely numb. So I've, um, yeah, I am uh, very much in the present now and um, it's a wonderful place to be. And uh, the new gear is uh, Zoom Zoom, Roadrunner, here I go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so Barbara, so the, the day you went into hospital, and I know you're a driver because often the issues that we've talked about over the years have been that you became a, a, a driver at ease rather than a driver that was anxious. But I'm wondering if, how do you like my metaphor of the day that you went into the hospital for your operation? That, did it feel like zoom, zoom, like you had a, a, a new a gear to work with? It did, it did. I, was, uh, I came out and uh, I was lucky and um, I've had all kinds of tests and everything, so I'm cancer free, but the business of looking in the rear view mirror was what I did. Is if I saw someone in the rear view mirror, a male, uh, I was totally, I had to pull over. So if I was going somewhere, it'd take me forever to get there. So there was something about that image. So I started by going like three or four blocks before I look in the mirror and then I look quick and, and then I eventually stopped. So uh, yeah. So again, it's... Uh, Quite, what, what, what about you? Can you relate to that metaphor of now having a, a new gear to operate with? Yeah. So there's kind of two... There's two stories, I guess, or two analogies. So in the past year and a half, I've had um, three people pretty close to me... Well, one died. The other two almost died. One almost died three weeks ago. And I've been thinking about how, I don't know if, whether it's scary or whether it's, you know, it's I've unlocked some part of my brain now, how I've accepted that. And then my days have just continued on. Like, you know, <laughs> I almost, this death almost happens and then I just go back to working the next day. And I'm not even really dwelling or like, yeah, there was a bit of crying and so on. But there's like those emotions. But it wasn't some debilitating, like I'm going to stay in my house and not do anything for a week. And drink. I didn't even think, because I, th well, I guess I'll just say it now. I used to have a drinking problem for years. And even the thought of drinking didn't really, it didn't really come up. So... And the second story, and I need to remember this, because um, I think I'm forgetting it now. Second story. The gear. The gear. Um, I'll remember it later. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, so for the gear, um, it's just pushing forward. There's so many things that are going to happen, and they're not going to stop happening. So... Uh -huh. 
<laughs> it's got to deal with it. And you don't have any control over a lot of things, so mm -hmm. the only things you can do are the things you have control over. Oh yeah, this is the second thing. <laughs> this is the second thing. So in like 2014, when I was probably at like what people would call the rock bottom of life, <laughs> I go see a doctor and the doctor tells me something like, you know, getting out of yourself or making yourself feel better, a lot of it has to do with helping other people. And at the time, I was so caught up in my own life that I was like, I don't have time to be helping people. Like, I don't have time to be volunteering or any of these sorts of dooger things. Mm -hmm. So I just ignored it. And it's literally in the past three, four months that I've started to, um, it's like the food bank, help with the food bank, um, other like, you know, going on social media and just doing a rant about life and trying to you know help people out, that kind of stuff. And then I realized, oh, it took five, 2014, it took four and a half years for that to click. You do actually have to do something other than, other than focus on yourself and be fixated on yourself because it's that year of rear view, I guess, sitting there thinking about things in the past or even, you know, things, things that are bothering you in the present and you're just fixated on it and you're not, you're not progressing, right? So, yeah. You just stand to yourself too much. Yeah, you just, yeah. And especially when you, you kind of identify as somebody who, oh, I'm not self-centered. Oh, I don't think about myself all the time. Oh, I like to help people. And then, but then you get caught in a cycle of just thinking about yeah. your own problems and everybody exactly. has problems so it's not like and then when you get up there you realize that gosh your problems are not that great yeah everybody else yeah like you go to the like the food bank I won't get in too far into the food bank thing but man some people there are struggling and I'm just kind of like I'm sitting here worrying about other things that aren't I mean everything's important but they're not definitely not that as important as what these people have to go through so anyway yeah perspective yeah Perspective, yeah. Hey, do, you want to, do you want to comment on, on your own life in that regard? To me? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I will. We, we can't do either of you, but I was thinking of asking Jane since you're saying on the other side. Yes. And that for you, it's maybe slightly different. Um, but it's the same. Yeah. This way would, would be you, uh, and I'm now correcting myself again. If you look up behind you, it would be you developing a larger red. When you're at the food bank, you can appreciate how other people really are. By your, the red side, which is uh, sensitive to other people, getting even bigger. Well, I know for myself, I volunteer uh, exercise classes twice a week, and I get a lot of satisfaction out of that, just helping other people and listening. And it was a big changer for me, because I can't sit at home and get into myself as much, so you're kind of out there helping other people, so I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. Jane? And I myself uh, was being uh, isolating for so long, uh, the thought of volunteering, uh, <laughs> didn't even enter my mind and then when it did I would just be too fearful to uh, go and do it 
Um, now I did, uh, before active de-stress, I did uh, try volunteering with Arch Street Public School. Through my church we do a uh, apple, apple day with the kids and we just bring carrots and apples and on trays to classrooms to get them extra nourishment. And I remember um, doing that in some days. I mean, I, d I really don't know how I managed to do this, but I was able to. And other days, I would have to find somebody to replace me, and I just shut myself away. Now, the big difference since the program is I noticed uh, pretty well immediately that I'd be signing up for uh, the, 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 the volunteering for it. I started to enjoy doing it. Uh, I, I saw, I got, you know, closer to the kids and I could see them instead of just sort of almost being afraid of them, which is, but that's how I felt. I was afraid of everybody, really. And um, just appreciate it and these kids and I'd see what lunches they, their parents would bring to, for them. And some of them didn't even have a lunch. And uh, so a lot, of, um, a lot of realization started to happen for me, uh, you know, about really being appreciative of what I have. And uh, even though, yeah, I struggle with money, et cetera, but I'm so much better off than so many people were. Before, I couldn't see that because I was so, caught up in my own, my own issues, my own world, my own past. Um, so that was so freeing and, and like I said, I could just go in and enjoy it and have fun with the people I, that volunteered with me also. We'd have good laughs and uh, that fake laugh wasn't there, it was a real feeling laugh that I was able to uh, express and still do today, but uh, I don't do the apples anymore and I'm working here, which is a great but, uh, but Jane, without going, without going into personal detail, mm -hmm. I wonder if you would make some comment about losing a son and gaining a daughter. Losing a son. Well, I mean, your your son went off and is get he's either gotten married or getting married, so you were able to um, just uh, ease it in through that transition, and uh, you contributed greatly to him. And but he's now, you know, has a partner. Which uh, you didn't have yes, uh, my son Christopher. Um, as uh, I suffered with him, we were both very ill at the same time, and as I got better, um, I was able to um, help him, and he did come to the program himself, and he got quite a, quite a bit out of it, and now um, he's uh, well on his way. He's uh, in college, and he's taking architecture, architecture and um, he's engaged to be married and so I'll be gaining hopefully the daughter I never had because I only have two boys and um, <laughs> she's uh, she's wonderful I get along really well with her and we connected right away so um, I see others uh, progressing in their life now and uh, the, 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 the what I would carry the pain and everything and the worry that I had for my son 
um, as I got going in acudistress, it became that it, it wasn't as much worry as being able to talk to him for the first time in my life, and uh, which has helped him and has helped me also. And uh, yeah, I will be gaining a, a new daughter. Uh, I have a plan of when they'll be married and when children will come. That's my plan though, so <laughs> we'll see. But I've got it out into the universe that next year marriage and maybe two years from there, babies. So we will see, but it, it's exciting now and I'm excited. I find that I'm excited for other people and that gives me a lot of joy is to be able to be excited for other people that you see that are and you also have a life yes and getting on with their life and i also have a wonderful life now i really do thank you now, you, you 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 know what this term means maybe maybe you won't quite but and maybe you won't argue but i won't acquaint you with it right away because one of, the, one of the characteristics of, of people who are blue is that uh, we can dissociate. Yeah, and boy. what dissociate means is that, that we can kind of almost leave our body and, and you know, become a kind of a, a frozen individual that can't do anything, like a turtle that's pulled in its legs and, and you know, we are frozen and dissociated from our, uh, our, our real self. And, the idea of conventional therapy is to stop that. No more dissociation. The idea of, uh, of what we're doing here is that um, we can use the two parts of us to complement each other. We can dissociate in a positive way too. I'm hearing you saying that, but I'm wondering if, if you can relate to my talking about it because in the end, Conventional therapy says that dissociation is a bad thing, and uh, transpersonal therapy says that, tra um, that, that it is something that one can, one can use to one's advantage. That, that you know you can be on one side or on the other side. You can you can think about things like oh yes and oh no and oh no, and you come to better conclusions if there are kind of two parts of you that you bat off against each other. That makes sense to any of you. Can you want to start that off? Dissociation as something that's that actually worked. Probably Barbara, you might be the you might be the expert about this because as I was saying, what happens is is that you get to have the blue, or sorry, you because of your blue, you get to have the red on one hand and you get to have the yellow on the other. And you can look at both of them and make good decisions because you're not tied to either one of them. You just are uh, in the middle and willing to have a decision come to you. Does that make any sense to you? It does, and uh, you need to get the facts. You need to know exactly what is going on, and all this hearsay is on the side, so you kind of look straight forward and hope for the best because there's just a lot of stuff that no matter how much you worry about it, we have this thing that if we worry more that the results are going to be better. And it's not it's true. true. It's not true. So we need to just focus on what we have because as I say, 99% of your fears don't come true, but you waste so much energy and stuff and the stress from that can make you sick. So if you say to yourself, you know what, 
I'm going to exercise, I'm going to eat well, I'm going to enjoy each day as a sayer. I'm not waiting for something else to happen. And what happens, happens. So I don't feel like that every day. I don't feel like that. I don't feel like that every day, but some days I'm kind of a little bit more to the side, so, you know, have to come back. You're out of range. Wow. So, you, you know, whenever you want to take that one on, how you can use dissociating as a positive thing. I mean, one of the, one of the things that, one of the ways that, practically speaking, that we learn to dissociate in life is through hypnosis. I mean, hypnosis, my, my colleague out there who does hypnosis uh, calls it positive dissociation, okay? I, I uh, in my previous career, <coughs> I delivered 300 babies in a row without needing any anesthetic, because I just taught them all to dissociate from where they were and just have a pleasant time going through their labor, and they did. Well, that's what I mean by a positive way of dissociation. I mean, of course, you know, sometimes you might, you guys might just be able to leave a part of your home that you don't need. I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is related, but I find that in some jobs that are mundane or monotonous that people usually can't handle, say a call center. Call center is one of those jobs that like if you Google working at a call center, all kinds of stuff comes up about what it does for mental health, addictions, people will kill themselves if they work there for too long. It's a very serious thing. And I found that I was, I don't know if this is what dissociation kind of falls into, but it was easy for me to go and just block out everything and just focus on, I'm here to make calls. I'm here to make hundreds of calls. I'll make my hundreds of calls. If people want to do the survey, cool. If they don't, I don't care. If they hang up on me, I don't care. If they swear at me, I don't care. Then I go home, and that's the end of that. <laughs> yeah. But some people really internalize it. And, pardon me? Like leaving your fearsome twin at home. Yeah. I've taken a course on chronic pain. I'm teaching people who have chronic pain. And uh, what they had them do was they had them do an exercise of brushing their teeth for five minutes. So they were paying attention to the toothpaste and brushing their teeth and doing all this stuff. So afterwards, they asked them what their pain level was, and it was zero. So a lot of the studies show that it's only 10% is actual pain. 90% is up here. It's kind of a learned response and learned behavior. Okay. Maybe some no, people. I put it I put it to you, Barbara, that you can't pass that on to anybody unless you can do it yourself. Yes. So I, 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 I in, yeah. the, in the same way as we're talking about this, uh, this Quay, I suggest that when you go out and do this exercise with people, you leave at home the part of you that succumbs to pain because you're just there and you know and you're you know when you're passing it on that you're passing on pure gold but there's some people who really uh they d decided that that's not true and it's so there's just some you can't convert so you just know when to step back mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. well uh, I'm, I'm going to actually suggest that you sort of think of this as a metaphor 
of, of leaving the part of you that had, is skeptical at home. I mean, all, all of us blues are skeptical. So how about we take the skeptical one and leave them at home? And, and when you do that, you will have an influence. Like I had a little, a little difficult time. You know, people in your own family are the hardest to work with when you. And uh, so um, I, I, started being with other people onto my daughter who was pregnant, and and my son-in-law, and uh, you know I think that they were having. Uh, so I had a little difficulty with it because they were actually going to somebody else. I didn't really want them to work with me. So they were going to uh, somebody else and they didn't get along with that person. So, so anyway, they threw it back into my lap. Would you help us? Well, it's not very easy helping your own daughter, or, you know, because they know you too well. And, and you're actually trying to perform magic with them. So I had to... I, I had to, when I connected with them, I had to leave my skeptic self at home. I just had to be there as Mr. Enthusiasm, and it worked. And I think that's, I think that's what you're talking, Quay, is that when you walk into that uh, center where people need you to be at your best, you are. Mm. The, 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 the doubtful part of you stays at home. Yeah. That's, that's a positive dissociation. Leave at home, art of you. It's not going to do a good job. Yeah. Jane. Yeah. Um, just um, leaving this at home is uh, pretty well what I, I do now. When you brought up family members, everything in my head went bing, 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 bing. So, yes, uh, family still affects me, uh, but I don't allow it to uh, do what it used to do. Let's put it that way. So yeah, if I know ahead of time I'm dealing with my brother, um, <laughs> I need to leave part of that. And a mom. Home. And mom, okay, yeah. And my mom, <laughs> my sister. Um, so I am learning that, um, I didn't realize this is a good thing until now, but I, I, I um, accept that. And uh, that's exactly what I, I do now, is I need to leave part of that daughter that mom can do or my brother one look and triggers her push leave that at home and bring everything else with me which is the much more positive um, part of me and having being able to um, listen and uh, not react so the react let's say I leave that at home so and it works out pretty good now yeah yeah so um, one of the one of the possible alternatives to Jane coming is a man named Nigel. Nigel is featured on the uh, website as the small and world blue. So uh, I'm going to show you the video of him. But while I'm showing that video, I'm wondering if you can also look up his. Uh, uh, Natalie, his little jingle. Um, okay, we'll end the, so, we'll end the day um, jingle. So, so the gentleman that I showed was the one that was on the screen for Smaller Than the World Blue. And now, like I told you, it now goes to 
this image that you can see. So I can um, I can close. I can I can refresh, and that'll bring him back. But it doesn't bring Nigel. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Nigel used to be on there. You see, I've forgotten that. So let's just. Let, I'm going to talk to. Uh, I'm going to talk to all of you about the smaller than world blue, and maybe you can find in the meantime the. I've got it right there. there. You can see it uh, on your screen. Okay. Okay. Things go better, yes. Okay. So let's just uh, take that down for the moment. Let's talk about the smaller than the world blue. So uh, Nigel's story, and I met him around the beginning of 1990. Nigel has come to the program and has also been a presenter of things in the program. And one of the things that happened was that um, because um, we blues tend to do what other people want us to do, uh, he went to an engineering school as a, as a youngster. Uh, he was a youngster in, in the back streets of Liverpool. At guess what time? Well, at the time that the Beatles were becoming prominent. And uh, his real love was music. And uh, but, uh, but, but as a blue, who needed to please other people and to get along with other people, he uh, did two things. One is he went to engineering school, and two, he uh, agreed with his mother kicking out his father, who was also an artist. So his dad was kicked out, and he was expected as a young boy to agree with mom that that was a good thing. Um, later in life, as an engineer, Nigel began to realize that, that music was still in his veins. And at age 40, he went back to university and got a degree in music quit his job as an engineer, a very lucrative job, and now he operates as a troubadour, going around playing and singing to people. So I would like to um, show you now a little jingle he wrote for us and, and get the idea of what, it, what, it, what it's like to be a blue, but also his jingle is made for anyone. So anyone can sing this jingle. And it's to the tune. Um, I guess maybe we'll even show you that. Because it, it was to a tune that was popular in the 60s as a commercial. And it was the Coca-Cola commercial of the time. So maybe if you have it, we can play that first. At least a few bars of the Coca-Cola commercial of the mid-60s. Yes, now. Yes. And now? Yes. Track your claim anytime with our app. Any place, any time. 
that's the one you want. It's the one actually with Glenn Yarbrough. <laughs> that was the one from the 50s. Wow. I know. Uh, no. No. Okay, well, don't worry about it. You will, re you will remember the tune. Thank you. Well, yeah. some I, I of you will. Well, a lot of you aren't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Which one? This one? No. Could, could each of you comment on 
how it was necessary to practice, because you're all there. You've all gotten there. And, but you've had to do it uh, by repeating it over and over again. As Nigel says, repeat 30 times. Maybe not 30, but the number of times in order to really establish your belief. Um, I, I can go ahead um, for myself. Uh, yeah, I uh, I would always need to bring out my toolbox, as I call it. Uh, it's a very light one, mind you, but um, I really had to uh, remind myself, and I would envision um, when I was present, uh, I would. Do my best to try and remember not so much the thinking but the feeling of being present. And I would do grounding exercises when I would feel I was going off. Um, but it's really the tools that the program gave me uh, that uh, that that helped me to become more and more present. And yeah, sure, I have days where maybe I'm not as present as I usually am now. But what I, then again, I'll pull up my tools because I recognize it now very quickly that, okay, I'm not quite present today, so what will I need to do? And it comes to me, uh, uh, either uh, grounding myself or listening to the music. Uh, I'll play that while I'm doing housework. Um, it just, it, it, it Almost like I said, my toolbox is very light. Cause things just come to me now, and I know what to do uh, when I'm, let's say, slipping or what have you, and I'm not feeling quite in the moment. Uh, we've had a lot of things happening with our family last year, and um, I tell you, I did not realize how present I have become. And the tools that I used when I was when I felt myself, uh, you know, sort of not being quite in the moment, sort of thing. And um, again, I would just sit and uh, remember my the pins. I would massage my ears, try and poke where I think the pins go, and it just sort of just made me present. I would do an exercise of feeling my feet on the ground, my butt firmly in the chair. You know, I can feel, just to bring myself back, yes, I feel my arms. So just little things like that really, really helped me a lot to, um, to remind myself of what I need to do. And then there's the follow through, which uh, it just, comes naturally now with me, so I, I think that's how what I what I do now. Yeah. Hey Barbara. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm bleeding to death here, so I'm going to talk like real fast before something happens. Um, an example of being in the present, uh, I cannot parallel park uh, very well, and uh, I avoid it. I went somewhere, and it was pouring rain, and there was one spot, so I just. And I go to the car and I said, what the hell happened here? Like, I'm parallel park in 10 years. So I wasn't focused on what I couldn't do. I would just focus on what I needed to do. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I noticed when Jane was talking about music, um, I made this connection that 
when I start to get in a kind of a dangerous spot mentally, one thing that starts to happen is I stop listening to any kind of music. So it'll just be me and my thoughts walking around, replaying things in my head, um, and ignoring music. Whether or not the headphones are in my pocket or the phone is in my pocket, I'll stop listening to music. So one thing is to just kind of always have some kind of music playing in my ears. Another thing for me too is, because self-isolating is a kind of something that I'm always noticing, I really try and, you know, I mean, I have various activities that I have to do during the day, but I try and get out of my house at six and I'm not coming home till, you know, seven or eight and I'm just out and about interacting with people, being in social settings, being with people, you know, it's just so much better than just sitting in your house and dwelling, you know? So I try and be out and about. Even when Jane, even when I saw Jane and she's like, yeah, come be on the blue panel. There was a brief moment of five minutes where I almost was like, this was probably yesterday. Yeah, where I'm like, I wanted to call and be like, ah, I don't know about that. But then I said, just do it. You know what I mean? Just do it. Well, we're glad you did. Yeah, you did. yeah, yeah. You touched a lot of people. Wonderful. I'm sad I missed the blue panel. Oh, this, is, this, been such a this is the blue panel. Oh, three. Yeah, is the blue panel? It's really neat to have three people <laughs> of, the, of the same type because right when it comes right down to you, you're all very blue. <laughs> and you wear it very well. So,